Good evening. Hope you're all doing well. Baruch Hashem. A new parak, parak Almana Lekohen Gadol, the seventh parak of Maseches Yivamos, a fresh Mishnah. As an introduction to this parak, um, we know in English we have this word called a dowry, where one brings money or wealth of some kind into a marriage. Now, there are two kinds of monies that a wife can bring into the marriage. One is referred to as Nichsei Melug, and the other is referred to as Nichsei Tzon Barzel. Nichsei Melug is something that throughout the marriage, she actually owns. It is hers, even though normally, normally, whatever a woman acquires throughout marriage, she does not own, her hus husband does. However, if let's say her father said, I'm giving you this animal, here is a cow, the cow is yours. He figures it's great for the future because it'll have babies, it will be able to produce milk, and he gives her the cow. She owns the cow. She owns the principal cost of that cow, maybe even the cow itself. However, the peros, the fruits, that which we gain from the cow does belong to the husband. However, nichseitzon barzel are different. Nichseitzon barzel is when a wife brings something into the marriage and says, this is for you. Then the husband keeps the product and she benefits from it. So let's say the reverse. The husband gets the cow and she can use the milk from the cow or the calves from the cow. The main nafkamina is that nichseitzon barzel are coded into the ksuba. That's the nafkamina between them. So nichse malug is hers. She brings to the marriage, but it's hers. And nichseitzon barzel are things that she brings to the marriage, and it is now part of the ksuba. So mosayim zuz and part of the ksuba, the cow. Those are, that's the difference between them. With that as a background, we're going to learn uh, the begin this first mishnah, and it will take us. How far are we going here? We're going almost to the bottom of Samach Zayin Amad Aleph. And then on Shabbos, we'll pick up with Samach Zayin Amad Beis and Samach Ches. A reminder that on Shabbos, Tafyomi is right after the 2.30 Mincha, will not be a regular time. Let's get started. The Mishnah says, Almana Kohen Gadol, a forbidden marriage, where a woman who uh, was widowed marries a Kohen Gadol, or Grusha V'chalutza Kohen Hediot, or a woman who is either divorced or had Chalitza done, who marries a regular Kohen, also a forbidden relationship, says the Mishnah, If what she brings to the marriage is Avadim, slaves that are Melug, think, uh, slaves that she owns, or if they are slaves that are tzon barzel, that are woven into the ksub and really belong to the husband, so then the following should be the halacha. Avdei melug, lo yochlu v'truma, the avadim that she brought that are melug, that really she owns, they're not allowed to eat truma. Why are they not allowed to eat truma? So take a look at Rashi. Rashi is um, about a quarter of the way down on the page. Why? Because remember that this relationship is a forbidden relationship. Let's focus in just as one of the samples of the Almanah to the Kohen Gadol. Rashi says, She did something very wrong. She shouldn't have married that man. She becomes a Chalala. So when she brings in the Avadim that are Nichsei Malug, that are really dependent on her because she really owns them, but because she's a Chalala, she can't have Truma. And because she can't have Truma, her Nichsei Malug, the Avadim that she brought in that are Nichsei Malug, they also can't have Truma. So that's what the Gemara says, that Avdei Malug lo yochel betruma, and Avdei Tzon Barzel yochel. However, the Avadim that have been woven into the Ksuba, that really belong to the husband, the Nechsei Tzon Barzel, who in this case are Avadim, they are yochel, they are allowed to eat uh, the truma. 
Here are some of the parameters of how we decide, define Avde Malug. In this case, it really could be any Nechas, in this case, it's Avadim. So says the Mishnah, that if they die, it's her financial loss. And if they go up in cost, she's the beneficiary as well. So that's how we know that they're hers. And even though, due to the structure and halachic setup of the marriage, that the husband is obligated to feed these slaves, still the halacha is is that they are not allowed to eat truma. Okay. And ve'eluhin avdeit son barzel. Here are some of the parameters of the avdeit son barzel of the avadim that she brought to the marriage that she gave to her husband that are now part of the ksuba. If they die, he takes the fiscal loss. And he also is the beneficiary if the cost in the market goes up on these slaves. And since he is not just not like in the previous case of Nechsei Maluk, but here in, when he actually is the owner of them, because he's chai b'achrayusan, not only for their food, but for their overall well-being, therefore, and that's the distinction in case number one, a forbidden marriage, she's a chalala, therefore, by Nechsei Maluk, which she owns, she cannot give truma to the Nechsei Maluk because she's a chalala, but he is not a chalal, he's a kohen, it's a good, we'll discuss this another time, he's not a chalal, and therefore, if he has Nechsei's own barzel, which really he owns because He's a Kohen. He's allowed to give the, the, the Avadim under him Truma. All of that is case number one. It is a lot of background, but important information to hold on to for tonight. Again, one more review. Nechse Malug is that which she brings to the marriage that really she owns. And Nechse Tzon Barzel is that which he brings, to, that which she brings to the marriage that really belongs to the husband. Good. Second case of the Mishnah. Let's talk about a marriage that isn't forbidden. Bas Yisrael, a regular Yisrael, Shaniseis Lekohen. My sister-in-law, she married a Kohen. Fine. So then, she brings to the marriage slaves. Her father says, here, sweetheart, here are a couple of slaves to bring to the marriage. Now, here, because the marriage is a healthy halachic marriage, now here in this case, because the marriage is permissible, because the wife is not a halala like she was in the, in the case of the Reisha, therefore, even the case of Nechsei Melug, are able to eat truma because she's able to eat truma. In the beginning of our Mishnah, she was a halala, so she cannot eat truma. But here, she's not a halala. She's just a Bas Yisrael who married a Kohen. Now that she's married, she's able to have truma. And therefore, the Avadim that she brought are able to eat uh, the truma as well. So, Bein Avde Meluk, Bein Avde Tzon Barzel, Hareilu, Yochlu, Betruma. She still owns one set of slaves, though, right? If they're Nechse Meluk, she owns them. And if they have children, the children belong to him because the, she keeps the principle of what she was given, but any of the fruits, quote unquote, belong to the husband. That's correct. Good. Third case of the Mishnah. What if it's Ubas Kohen Shanisis Yisrael? Now, Ubas Kohen in her childhood home is allowed to eat truma because her father is a Kohen. When she marries a Yisrael, she loses that right. So if you have a Bas Yisrael who marries a Yisrael, and she brings slaves uh, to the, into the marriage, because she lost her rights. He for sure can't have, he was never a Kohen. She's a Bas Kohen. She loses her status. She's subject to his status, which is a Yisrael. And therefore, I don't care who the Avadim are, nobody's getting truma. She's done. She loses out. End of the Mishnah. We said in the beginning of our Mishnah that this Almana who married a Kohen Gadol or this Grusha or Chalutza who married a Kohen Hedjot, that if she brings Nichsei Milug, that they're not allowed to eat Truma even though she's married to a Kohen. Why is that? That's the Gemara's question. It's going to take us most of the Amma to try and answer it. We will see five answers to this question. Let's ask 
Ask the question in halachic terms, though. We said in the beginning of our Mishnah that if a woman who has the forbidden marriage, she's a halala, if that's true, and, and we say, what is the halachic reason? We can understand conceptually she's a halala and therefore she can't eat it. What are the mechanics of that prohibition? Really, what should happen is it should be no different than anything else. Because if the, the, the mechanics of the marriage work, if the almana can in technical terms, be married, even though it's usher. So he should be kona everything that she has. And then, okay, yeah, it's nichse maluk, but still, what? why wouldn't we say that there's a Kenyan here of him that's strong enough to make her accessible to truma that therefore allows the avadim of nichse maluk to have truma? We should say that the Kenyan works. Zetanya, the Brisa writes, a little bit more than a third of the way down. We have a case in the Brisa. How do we know that where a Kohen marries a woman, here a woman that technically is permissible to be married, and there are avadim that were brought in that they eat truma? A woman who purchases slaves, or avadim that buy other slaves, so says the Gemara in this Brisa, we have a clear case, a halachic case, that if in fact there is a marriage between a Kohen and another person, the din is that there should be a Kenyan. And therefore we should even argue that by the Nichsei Malug, by that which she brought into the marriage, even though she's a Chalala, we still need to understand why they can't eat it. They did nothing wrong. She's a Chalala and he's a Kohen. So we have a lot of a lot of strings being pulled here. Why is it that the Avadim are not allowed to eat the Truma? So here's answer number one. Says the Gemara a little bit more than halfway down. It's very simple. Whoever is responsible for these Avadim, if that person can eat Truma, then the Avadim can eat Truma. And whoever is not able to eat Truma, in this case, the wife the Almana, who married the Kohen Gadol because she's a Chalala, therefore, Eino Machil. So that seems to be a good answer, is that all we're doing is looking at a, looking at a hierarchy. <clears throat> if the person who brought the Nichse Maluk to the party, if that person's eligible for Truma, then the Avadim are eligible for Truma. And if not, not. So says the Gemara, that's not a good argument. Vilo, that cannot be. Why? If you have someone who is an Arel, he's uncircumcised, or someone who's Tamei, they're not allowed to eat Truma. An Arel can't eat Truma. A Tamei can't eat Truma. Yet what do we know from Rashi? But if they had Avadim, their Avadim could eat it. Oh, so we see that the rule isn't right. You wanted to say that let's look at the hierarchy. Whoever's in charge of the avadim, if they can eat truma, great, then their avadim can too. And if they cannot, then their avadim can. But an RL cannot, yet as ever can, breaks the rule. So therefore the Gemara says, no, hasam pumayhu kaivlehu. This is a, what, which one? The simile is using like or as. This is just a metaphor. He has a mouth sore. What does that mean? The reason I'm not eating truma is equivalent to me having a mouth sore. I'm not not eating the truma because I don't want truma, but it's because I have a sore in my mouth. This is the same thing with the arelus and with the tuma. I'm not not eating the truma because I'm in elegy. I just, I can get circumcised whenever I want. I can get, get, get rid of my tuma in a matter of days. So therefore, it's a, a technical issue that I have right now, but be'etzem, I'm shaykh to the, to, the, to the achil of truma. So says the Gemara, no, mamzer a mamzer could never change his status, and he's never able to eat truma, yet still his avadim 
can eat truma. So says the Gemara, that's a good point. And therefore, we have to go away from our first answer. Here's answer number two. Amaravina, you're right. It shouldn't be about whether or not in the hierarchy that he who is in charge or she who is in charge of the Avadim can or cannot eat. It's not about that. It's about the Kenyan Shabo of these Avadim. Kenyan Ochel Kamar. Kenyan Ochel Machil. She'eno Ochel Eno Machil. If the Kenyan is the type of Kenyan that would allow for one to eat, even though in theory, the mamzer can't eat it, fine. But if in theory the Kenyan should generate achilas truma, then all is well and good. And that would explain our Mishnah as well. So in, in theory, it should have worked out. But here, this woman with her Kenyan, because she's a halala, didn't work out. So it kind of explains our Mishnah as a viable answer. The Rava, this is like a Musser answer. The Rava Amar, no, you got it all wrong. Rava says, Mida Oraisa, Mechal Achle. Really, Midah Raisa, it's mutter, it's completely permissible for the avadim of this halala, the nichse malug, the avde malug, they are absolutely allowed to eat the truma. However, the rabbanan who degazrebuhu, the rabbanan put in a rabbinic injunction against the avadim eating. Why? To mess with her psychology. She's married to someone that she's not allowed to be married with. What did they want to generate? Kideshatomar, so that she'll say to herself, Ani eni ocheles, I'm not allowed to eat as it is because I'm a halala. Av avodai einan ochlin. My avodim are also not allowed to eat. Oi, zona hietzlo. This woman, referring to herself, is a zona. <laughs> it's not really znos necessarily, but she's a chalala, and and it might make her double think, rethink everything, and therefore hilkach asila apuka. She's more likely to leave the marriage. So the rabbinic injunction in our mishnah against the nichse melug, the avde melug, being uh, being having access to truma is simply to generate. In the eyes of the woman, the Chalala, who married the Kohen Gadol, the Almana, to say, maybe I shouldn't be in this marriage. More likely, Ki'ilu, Ki'ilu, and this is complicated, but let's say there was a rabbinic injunction against going to a marriage that Halacha doesn't agree with for, with for family members. So I just, uh, Shiloh in the community just came up. There's someone, okay, there's a Shiloh. Should a, should a family member go to a marriage where it's uh, two people of the same gender? So this, uh, this person asked a Shiloh, told you should not go. Now, Obviously, that generates within the family. Like, what am I doing? Like, that's what's going on here. The Mishnah says this whole rabbinic injunction is to get her out of this marriage as much as humanly possible. You want to feed your avadim? You're absolutely not to give. You're not allowed to give them access to truma. Why? Slap on the wrist. It's got to make you think that this marriage is wrong. That's answer number three. Answer number four. Ravashi Amar. Yes, it's a gzera, but not what you're talking about. Gzera shematachila misa. Oh, here's the problem. What we're concerned about is that she may feed truma to the avadim after the kohen dies. And that is absolutely not allowed. Says the Gemara, if you are concerned about people eating truma after death when they're not allowed to, then what about a regular boring case, that if you have a case of a Bas Yisrael and she marries a kohen, she shouldn't feed her avadim either. Even though the marriage is perfect, it's a beautiful marriage, but it doesn't matter because maybe after her husband dies and she falls back to her Yisrael status, her avadim may still be eating from the truma. So says the Gemara, you're right. And here is answer number five. Remember our question, why is it that in our Mishnah that the Avde Maluk do not eat truma? And answer number five, about eight, nine lines from the bottom of the page on Ravashi, we actually have a very nuanced case. What's the case of our Mishnah where we restrict the Nichse Maluk from eating truma? Says the Gemara, the Almana Kohenes. The Almana is a Kohenes herself. She's not a Yisrael. She's an Almana Kohenes. She may come to teach, she may come to think the following. 
before I was married, I was able to eat truma when I lived in my parents' house. And then in then I married this guy, the Almana marries the Kohen Gadol, and she is going to eat the truma of her husband, so she thinks. Now that he died, she says she's back to where she was before in the Bay Nosha, back at home. Yes, and then below Yoda, what her mistake was is that she didn't know. Before she married the Kohen Gadol, she wasn't a Chalala, but she made an error in judgment. So therefore, we don't allow her to eat, we don't allow her to feed her Avadim, anything of the sort, because uh, we need to make sure that she doesn't make the mistake that if the husband dies, says the Gemara. Do you have a question? Where, 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 where was the mistake that she made? The mistake, she had a logic like this. When she was single, she lived, she's a she's a coin, right? She's a basco. So when she's single, no problem. I live in my dad's house. My dad's a coin. I can eat truma. And then she gets married to this guy, Be'isr. And she she's going to eat truma there too. And then her husband dies and she goes back to her parents' house. And she's like, I'm just like I was before I was married. No, you're not. Now you're a halala. So you might have thought that you went back to status quo, pre-marriage status, where you were a kosher kohenis, but you're not. You're a halala. That was the error in her thinking. So she didn't marry Cohen. She married a Kohen Be'isr initially. She's an, she's a, she's an, she was married to someone. She was married, she was married to someone who became an Almana. And as an Almana, she married a Kohen Gadol. And then her husband died and she came back home. Yeah, yeah. I'm oh, sorry. That was, you're right. I left out the first marriage. Correct. So says the Gemara, listen, great answer. Great ukim to Tenach. That's good in the case of Almana Kohenes. But Almana Bas Yisrael Ma'ika Lameimar. We don't have the svara of a Bas Yisrael going home after her husband dies, saying, "Oh, I can still eat." No, you're a Yisrael. Everybody knows you're a Yisrael. You can't eat chum anymore. Everybody knows that. It says the Gemara, Be'almanusa Lo Plug Rabbanan. Gears to change. Lo Plug Rabbanan. Lo Plug Rabbanan throughout Shas is basically a sweeping halachic, a rabbinic halachic injunction that the halacha is X here and everywhere else, even though you're right, that logic would dictate that in certain cases, the restriction shouldn't be employed, but lo plug rabbanan, we don't mess around. In no cases do we allow an almana, Yisrael or otherwise, who was married to the Kohen Gadol to go back as a Yisrael. We don't allow it at, at all. No almanas are allowed to eat truma after, uh, after the death of their husband. All right. Says the Gemara, two lines from the bottom. Remember, we spoke about Nixe Tzon Barzel. Now we're going to talk a little bit about Nixe Tzon Barzel. Another detail about Nixe Tzon Barzel is that they have to have what's called a Shama or Shom. They have to be assessed for their value because, as mentioned, that value gets woven into the Ksuba. So says the Gemara, Itmar, Hamachneses Shum Lebaila. She brings something that has a value to it to her husband. She brings a, uh, she brings a couch to the house. Uh, it's a five thousand dollar couch, so they weave that into the they weave that into the ksuba. That's the shum. He omeris kli us. If when they get divorced, she's going to say, "I get the actual couch back, not the financial value." Like I mean, I get the actual couch back. And vihu omer I'll give you the financial equivalent of the couch. Here's five thousand dollars, but you don't get the couch itself. Now that may not be easy because it might be a family heirloom. So what's the din? Hadin im mi. Very strange language. No. I don't think I've ever seen this in uh, in this frame. Not that that means anything that I haven't seen it, but I don't think we've seen it in Shas yet. Hadin um, imi. Who is the halacha like? Do we say that she's right and she gets the actual item of the nichseit zon barzel when she gets divorced, or or when he dies, or does she only get the financial equivalent? This is a machloka samurai. Rav Yehuda Omar, as we turn to the top of Samach Vavam at base, Hadin ima. 
she gets to keep it, Rashi, she can take whatever she actually brought. That really the halacha is with him, that whatever she brought doesn't matter. He has to give the market value of that item right now. So let's say the couch fluctuated, whatever it is, she uh, will receive a cash value, but not the item itself. Why is it that Rabbi Huda said that she gets the actual item? Because because that was something that was praiseworthy in her father's house. It was given to her as a gift because of its inherent value, not only because of its fiscal value, so she gets the item back. Rav Ami Amar Hadinimo, why is it that we would say that according to Rav Ami, that she gets the financial value but not the item itself? Because Kevan de Omar Mar, what did it say in our Mishnah about the parameters of Nichse Tzon Barzel? That Imeso, Imeso, Meso Lo, that he takes the loss, the, he, the husband, takes the loss on the Nichse Tzon Barzel, Vimosiru, Hosiru Lo, and if there's a gain, he takes the benefits. And what else did the Mishnah say? Hoel Vachai Bachrayusan Yochlu. Because he, the father, the husband, is he's obligated to take care of these items that are Nichzetzon Barzel. So Ravami is looking at our Mishnah. He's like, what are you talking about? Of course the Nichzetzon Barzel belong to the husband. She doesn't get the item back. She only gets the financial equivalent of the item, the dollar amount that was added to the Ksuba, because it's Nichzetzon Barzel. Those are really his. So says the Gemara, that's not so simple that they're actually fully really his. Why? Because says the Gemara, five lines down on Samach Vav Amar of Safra, Miktani Vehein Shalom. Does our Mishnah indicate Vehein Shalom that really they are actually properly his property? No. It says that he's just but they're still not his. She still has a halachic tethering to that item. And that, therefore, Ula Olam, Labdi Dainin. When Rav Safra pushes back against Ravami, it's hard to say this from the Gemara. It seems that Rav Safra is not in Ravami's camp and he agrees with Rabbi Huda. But either way, this is the, the, the split of the, of the Abu Rayim. On the one hand, if a woman brings Nichzet's own barzel, something of value, and it gets put into the ksuba with its dollar amount, so Rabbi Huda is of the opinion that uh, upon divorce, if ever her ksuba needs to be collected, she gets the item itself back. Ravami says, no, you give actually only the dollar amount. Says the Gemara, something in our Mishnah is a little bit strange. We had said in our Mishnah that if there were Nichzetzon Barzel and they were Chai Bachrayusan, that really they belonged to the husband who was a Kohen, that, that uh, all of the Avadim are able to eat Truma. That's what our Mishnah says. So says the Gemara, is that really true? Well, it's not. We have a Mishnah. Yisrael Shesachar Parami Kohen. If you have um, a Yisrael who rents a cow from a Kohen, so even though the person is a Yisrael, but since the Kohen owns the animal, so you can give karshine truma, you can give uh, animal fodder that, that is truma to this animal, no problem. The reverse, Kohen shesachar para Yisrael, if there's a Kohen who rented the para from Yisrael, and uh, so who owns it? Really, the Israel owns it. Even though Israel is the one who is achroi right now to feed this animal, still he's not allowed to give karshine truma. So that shows us that we have a case where a person is chay bachrayusan and still there's no truma. Says the Gemara of Atizbara, that's not even logical. It's true that in this case that the that the the, the uh, Kohen who's watching over the para of the Israel. It's true that he's chayv in Geneva ve'aveda, but he doesn't have full responsibility for the animal. But on say, if something bad happens to the animal, 
that's an ones, or bikachasha, if the animal loses a lot of weight, if the animal loses a lot of value, of course, in a rental, you would not be held, you know, held accountable for that. It's unfortunate. It's just the way things are. Okay. So says the Gemara. Therefore, that's not a good argument. But there is a good point to be made from the Seifa of the Brisa that we just quoted. What's that case? Yisrael shesham para mi kohen. Yisrael is evaluating the cost of a para that used to belong to a kohen. Under those circumstances, lo ya'achilena karshine truma. Here we see that you cannot give truma to that animal. Aval kohen shesham para mi Yisrael. The reverse. If a kohen is evaluating a para for Yisrael, ya'achilena karshine truma. So this actually would be a good question against our Mishnah, and the Gemara seems to leave it as is. But back to our conversation, we were discussing that if a woman brings nichzeton barzel, she brings property to the marriage and weaves it into the ksuba, Rabbi Huda says she gets the, the item back when she collects her suba, ksuba, and Rabbi Ami says, nope, she only gets the dollar amount. So halfway down on Samach Bava Medbez, the Gemara says, Yosif Rabbah Rav Yosef Pishili Pirkei to Rav Nachman, they were learning with Rav Nachman, and they were talking about this sugyan learning, and here's what they said, Tanya Kavaseh Rabbi Yehuda, we have a brisa that seems to align with the shita of Rabbi Yehuda, that she gets the actual item back, Vitanya Kavaseh Rav Ami, yet there's another brisa that supports Rav Ami, that she doesn't get the item back, but rather only the e uh, dollar equivalent. Tanya Kavase de Ravami, what's the Brisa that supports Ravami that she only gets the dollar amount? Says the Gemara. Barzel, that if you have servants that were brought into a marriage as Tzon Barzel, they're brought in to be part of the Ksuba. So we know that there's a din that Avadim go free if they get injured in certain areas. If a tooth falls out and if their eye gets poked out, so then the halach is they go free. But only if who hurts them? Leish. Only the husband, below the isha, but a woman who does this, she would not free the free the slaves, which goes to show you. Wife, what? So the Kohen's wife knocked out of his teeth, he's still a slave. And that's his raya, that the nichseitzon barzel are owned by the husband, and therefore they only have to give the dollar equivalent. Exactly right. But Tanya Kavasid Rabbi Yehuda, we have another brisa that seems to be like the shita of Rabbi Yehuda, who says that she does actually get the item back. What's that case? Hamachneses shum lebaila. A woman brings something worth evaluating to her husband. That's code word for nechzeitzon barzel. A woman brings nechzeitzon barzel. If the husband wants to sell them, what's the din? Lo yimkor. He's not allowed. Why? Because they're not his. They're still hers. You cannot give away the nichseit's own barzel of the wife. Not only that, even if he added in from his, from his own, she is halachically tied to all nichseit's own barzel. He cannot get rid of it. That item is inherently valuable to the wife. Both of them sold them in, in agreement if both of them sold them. And if it was sold without her rishus, or if she died, whatever the case may be, then that money can be recollected because the husband's not allowed to sell it without her rishus. It's not his. It's still partially hers. So it says the Gemara, how do we pass in? Three-fourths of the way down, 12 lines up or so. Amar Rava, Amar Rav Nachman, Halacha Karib we pass in Allah that when it comes to Nikhsait's own barzel, when a woman brings something of value into a marriage and codes it into the ksuba, the halacha is that when she collects, she gets the actual item back, not just the dollar amount. That's not so simple. What happened to the Bryce about Ravami? I understand that you got a brysa that supports Rabbi Huda, but we have to have integrity in our psak process. How did you just ignore the brysa? 
of Ravami. Vatanya kavasi de Ravami says the Gemara. Afal gab the Tanya kavasi de Ravami. Even though it's true that when it comes to the brisa of Ravami, there really is a brisa, which would imply that she only gets the dollar value. Still, mistabra taima de Rabbi mishum shvach beisavia. So what's happening here is that the psak that's being given is where the posek is looking at two features. And one of the things he's looking at is that the svara, the logic of Rabbi Huda, that this is shvach beisavia, this is something valuable that relates to her parents' house. Therefore, you cannot give away that item. And when she collects at the, when she does collect her ksuba, she does not get only the dollar amount, she gets the actual item back. And a quick story. In uh, Itztila, Demilsa Bixuvasa, a woman, when she entered her marriage, gave a very expensive wool uh, garment, and it was Milsa Bixuvasa, and it was woven into her ksuba, classical Nichseit Son Barzel. Shachiv, that if there was, and then there was a man who died, and Shakluha Yasme Upirsua Amisna, and they took this garment, the, the Yasme, the Yasomim, the orphans of this man, took the garment, and they spread it out on top of the person who died. Rava, Kanye Misna. What happens with this? It's not theirs. It's Nichseit's own Barzel. It belongs to the wife. If you're a Rebbe Huda Yid, then that, you can't do that. It's not yours. It belongs to her. You can't take my item and put it on a mace and he gets to keep it. It's not his. It's tacky to pull it off of him. I understand the social concerns, but halachically, that's mine. Why would Rava say that there's a Kenyan for putting it on the mace? So Amar lay na na'noi bereid the Rabbi Yosi. Correct, correct. Exactly. Well, not. It means it stays with him. Of course, he doesn't have any bylaws, but it means it stays with him. So Amar lay na'noi bereid the Rabbi Yosi. That was the son of Rabbi Yosi, who was bereid the Rava lirav kahana. Hold on one second. How can you say that the mace gets to keep it? The Amar Rava, Amar Rav Nachman, Halachik Rabbi Yehuda. If Rabbi Yehuda holds that Nechzeitzon Barzel belonged to the wife, the actual item you can't give away. This itzala you cannot give away. This wooden gar, this uh, woolen garment. Says the Gemara, Amar Lei. Milo Moder Rabbi Yehuda the Mechusar Gubaina. Doesn't even Rabbi Yehuda agree that there's something lacking in her ownership now of this garment? What's lacking? It's not in her possession right now. Right now, it's in her husband's possession. So says the Gemara, even he would agree, since while technically she has rights to it, but because she's Mechusar Gubaina, it's not really in her possession. Therefore, it is kept in the Rishus of the Mason. She cannot have it back. It's really interesting. It's like a real blend of like, it's Rebbe Huda, you get the item back, but it's Mechusar Gubaina, so you don't... You own it, but not fully, fully own it because it's nichseit on barzal. The husband has his teeth in it, also. So not so simple to you have to get into the rishonim to understand the lumdus of where we are. But nevertheless, the lack of her having it in her possession minimizes her ownership. Rava letaime, Rava who says that the mace gets to keep this is because of his follows. Rava This we learned. That was in this masechta. Where did we learn this? Yes. Okay, only 20 blot ago. <laughs> Feels like it was a couple hundred blot ago. Says the Gemara that we learned this already. When it comes to someone who uh, used as collateral hektish, that which was given to the base of Mikdash, or chametz, uh, or, or something that was done for shikhror, the halacha is mafkin mide shibud, that if these things get turned, right, if the chametz becomes asr, whatever the case may be, then what? Rashi says, v'shikhror, Yisrael she'shi'abad avdo l'balchov. You take a slave and you use them as collateral. 
However, in all of these cases, mafkin midei shibud, they all, under certain circumstances, their shibud could be removed. And what the Gemara is saying is that this is Rava Latayme. That's very similar to our case, that yes, they really do belong to her. The Nechzei Tzom Barzal really belong to her. But the Mechusar Gubayna means that it's uh, quasi, not hers as well. So again, it's a little bit in the twilight zone. Amr um, Yehuda. Let's talk a halachic case, which will bring us to the Mishnah, and then we'll head toward the bottom of the page. Yehuda says, She brings in two kalim um, two into the marriage, and here we're talking about we're talking about what we've been talking about for the last half of the Amr. So she brings them in, they total a thousand zoos. Beshivcho, and they uh, improved in their value. The Amdu al alafim. Now they're worth two thousand zoos. Great market, not the current market. Sounds like a great market. So says the halacha. What happens upon divorce? Echad, the one that's worth a thousand, which is what's coded in the ksuba. Notlaso biksuvasa. That's pashut for sure. She gets that item. The echad, the second one. Nosenes damim vinotalto. She can pay to get the actual item back. That's what the Gemara says. And the reason why is because of Rabbi Huda that she uh, she gets to keep the actual item of Nechzei Tzon Barzal. Says the Gemara. I mean, like, we kind of know that already. <laughs> we know that that which really belongs in her parents' house is what she gets back. That was Rabbi Huda that we saw as we turned the page just a couple of moments ago. So it says the Gemara, Rabbi Huda already said that on the bottom of Samach Vavamibay's wrapping up to the top, sorry, on the bottom of Samach Vavamadala. And says the Gemara, why does Rabbi Huda have another statement over here? Says the Gemara, you might have thought that there was a quirk in regards to... <clears throat> In regards to Nechzei Tzom Barzal, Hani Mili, when does she collect exactly what the item is? Heicha dematil the mishkal b'ktsuvasa. That's when the value hasn't changed so much in the market. Aval mitan dmeu mishkal lo kamash malan. I might have thought that if there was a serious bump in money, then maybe she doesn't get the bump in money. Kamash malan, that that's not true. Good. New Mishnah. Says the Gemara. You have a woman who's a Yisrael, her father's a Yisrael, she marries a Kohen and he dies, and she is currently pregnant. The halacha is, The, av- the avadim of this man who died, and now these uh, avadim who in theory are allowed to eat truma, but right now, right now they can't eat truma, because there's a piece of that which belongs to his father who died, the Kohen, which is shayach to the ubar, and the ubar ruins it for everybody else. What is this talking about? Let's take a look at Rashi on the fourth line. Rashi says, She's pregnant, but they have other kids. She's allowed to eat truma. No restrictions on her. However, the avadim that she brought to the marriage, they cannot have truma. Because the truma really belongs to the yorshin. And currently we have a yoresh who's growing in utero. And says the Gemara, Because the Ubar does have some halachic aspect to the Truma, but because he is not alive to give over Rishus to them for them to have it. Therefore, 
uh, going back in the Mishnah, the Ubar is posel ve'enu machel dibri rabbi However, Amar lo, the Chachamim say back to him in the Mishnah, about 10 lines down, Amar lo me'achar she'he'adeta lanu al-bas Yisrael l'koin, now that you've given us insight in the case of a Yisrael who marries a Kohen, af bas Kohen l'koin, the same would be true in regards to a bas Kohen who marries a Kohen, u'meis v'hinicha me'uberes lo yuch l'avadevachuma b'bnei chelko shal ubar. So the Chachamim expand the Shita of Rav Yossi, that it not only applies in a case of a Yisrael who marries a Kohen, but even for a Bas Kohen who marries another Kohen. Ibayalahu, what is the reason for Abyosi's strange Shita? Why is it that if she's pregnant, it might be her 10th kid and all of her other kids can have Chuma, she can eat Chuma. Why is it that the Nichseit's own Barzel are trapped from having Chuma just because she's pregnant? So says the Gemara, do we say that when a, listen to the Chakira, when a woman is pregnant, when a Yisrael is pregnant, with the child of a Kohen. But in utero, the child is not a Kohen. As the Gemara says, that when she's pregnant with the baby of a Kohen, but because it's in utero and she's who she is, she's not a Kohen, she's married to a Kohen. So that baby is a Zar, and therefore he's not a regular baby yet. Oh, Dilma, Yelud Ma'achil, only a child that's born would enable the Avadim to eat from the Nechzeitzon Barzel, and She'eno Yelod, from the Truma, or, and She'eno Yelod, but a child that's not born, Eno Ma'achil. So this is the Chakira. A baby in utero, a woman is a Yisrael, her husband is a Kohen. Is that baby considered a Zar still, a non-Kohen? Or no, the limiting factor for the Avadim of the Tzon Barzel is that he's just not born yet. It's not about Kohen, not Kohen. He's not born yet. So says the Gemara, the difference would be the difference would be if the mother of the baby was a Kohenes. Why? Because no one would argue that the baby in utero of the Kohenes is a Kohen. That's for sure. He's still not born yet, but he's definitely not a non-Kohen. Because she's a Kohenes and he's a Kohenes. The baby's 100% Kohen through and through. So there's no Svara to say that Ubar Bime Imo uh, is, a, is a czar. That doesn't make any sense. All right, says the Gemara, which one is it? Omar Rabba, Rabba, Rabba says, Really, Rabbiosi's reasoning as to why the Avadim are not eligible for Chuma when she's pregnant is Dikasavar Ubar Zarhu. He says, like the first possibility, Rabba's of the opinion that when Abbas Yisrael is pregnant with the baby of a Kohen, that while the baby is in utero, he's not yet a Kohen, he's a non Kohen. Rav Yosef argues and takes the other side of the Chakira. Rav Yosef Amar, Yulud Machil, She'en Yulud Eno Machil, because he's just not born yet. It's nothing to do with Kohen status, non-Kohen status. The baby's just not born yet. So in the meantime, while she's pregnant, the Avadim, who are Nechzeit's own Barzel, are not allowed to eat Truma. Mesve, the Gemara says, hang on one second. We are going to be able to hopefully pick one of these two answers. Amru Lo, we have this in our Mishnah, an expanded version of what happened in our Mishnah. Amru Lo, they said back to him to Rav Yosef, what then would be the din, Rabbi Yossi, in regards to Abbas Kohen, who is uh, pregnant with the child of a Kohen? What would the din be? Amar Lehem, Rabbi Yossi, in this b'risa, responds to the Chachamim, Zushamati, I heard one of these cases, Vizuloshamati, but another one of these cases I did not hear. I heard the case of a Yisrael who is married to a Kohen, but I didn't hear the case of a Bas Kohen who's married to a Kohen. And then the Gemara tears this apart with a beautiful, simple zarhu. If you want to say that the concern of Rabbi Yossi is Rabba's concern, that when a, Yis- a Bas Yisrael is pregnant with the baby of a Kohen, that the concern is that the baby is, st- is a non-Kohen, 
That's Hainu Dikamar Lezu Shamati Vizulo Shamati. Then it makes sense why in this Brisa, Rabbiosi would say, I only know the answer to one of your questions, which is Yisrael married to a Kohen. Why is that true? Because if the whole concern was Bimei Imo, that doesn't make sense if she's an Aishas Kohen. It has to be that that's the concern. Otherwise, Zushamati Vizulo Shamati. That, that makes sense here, but it wouldn't make sense the other way, which is this. Eli Amris, a little bit more than halfway down on Samach Zayin Amanala. Eli Amris, Yilud Machil, She'en Yilud, Ein Machil, that really the deep concern of Rabbi Yossi is that simply the woman is still pregnant and the baby's not born yet. If it's only about birthing, then who cares what the status is of the baby is in utero? There's no difference in a Yisrael married to a coin and a, and a coin married to a coin. It doesn't matter. So it has to be the other way. It's the same exact thing. It doesn't make a difference. Each woman is the same. It's just a question of birthing the child. <coughs> so the Gemara says, Kasha, therefore, it's very difficult to understand the Shita of Rabbi Yosef. And seemingly, we would paskin like Rabbah. That Rabbah is of the opinion, even though this is not what the Gemara concludes. We have our little gimel by Rabbi Yosef, but it doesn't really make sense. Kasha, the Gemara says it's not so simple. One last little bit. We'll be ending in about uh, 10 lines or so. Amar Rabbi Yehuda, we're about two-thirds of the way down. Amar Rabbi Yehuda, Amar Shmuel. Let's remember Shmuel's name here. Shmuel had a statement. Zu divrei Rabbi Yossi. We just said this in the Brisa above, that this was the opinion of Rabbi Yossi. The Chachamim argue on Rabbi Yossi. Rabbi Yossi said that if the woman's pregnant, then the avadim who are nechzeit son barzel, they're not allowed to eat any uh, of the truma. But the chachamim don't agree. The chachamim say yesh banim ochlem. If he has any kids, ochlem mishum banim, then the avadim can eat because there are other people who are eligible to eat. Ein lo banim. If he doesn't have any other kids, ochlem mishum achim. Then if the father has brothers, then the avadim who are son barzel can eat. Ein lo achim ochlem mishum mishpacha kula. Anyone in the family who's eligible to eat truma would enable the avadim who are son barzel to eat truma. So says the Gemara, Zu, when it says, when Shmuel was of the opinion, when he said Zu, that this is the opinion of Rabbi Yossi, was it Zu Velosvirle? This, this is his opinion. This is what he, I don't hold this way. Does Shmuel not agree with the Shita of uh, Rabbi Yossi? How can that be? Ha'amar le Shmuel himself said, the Rav Chana Bagdata, when we see Bagdata, we, we think of Baghdad. Take a look at Rashi for a historical note. Rashi is exactly halfway down on the page. Dibur Hamaschal Bagdata. But that's not correct. The first sheet in Rashi says, Baal Agada. He was a Bucky in Agadata. So he knew what was going on. But then Rashi gives the second answer, Lashon Acher, Shemakom Shehu Bebavel, Sheshmo Baghdad. So at the very least, we know that the name of Baghdad goes back from the times of Shmuel. Shmuel lived in the 200s of the Common Era. So Baghdad is a very old name uh, of a city. I presume it's the one that's still on location. I don't know. Uh, the Mephorshim here would say that it really shouldn't be about... Uh, Baghdad, okay, not for now. So says the Gemara, what happened between, Shmu, between Shmuel and Chana Bagdata? He said, Poke Aisi Li Be'asara, De'emalach Ban Payo, go find me 10 Jews. It's just uh, for dramatic flair, for dramatic effect. Go find me 10 Jews, De'emalach Ban Payo. I'll say in front of them, Hamazakil Uber Kana, that an Uber can make a Kenyan. And that is what Rav Yossi holds. So how can Shmuel say Zu, which means I don't hold like Rav Yossi? If here Shmuel says to Rav Chana Bagdata that a, a child can make a Kenyan, an, an, an Ubar in utero, Ella, it must be Zu Visvirale. It must be that really Shmuel does agree with Rabbi Says the Gemara, my Kamash Mulan, what was he coming to teach with that? Why bother giving Shir on that? Were you coming to teach me to Pligu Rabbanan Alei de Rabbi Everybody knows there's a, there people argue against Rabbi We have three Bryces, a mission and two Bryces that we saw today of a Machlokas Rabbi and the Chachamim. Says the Gemara, 
It's not so simple that there's someone who argues against Rabbi Yossi. Me, Pligi, says the Gemara with a corrected Nusach here. The Ha'amar, Rav Zakai, Zu Edus, Heid Rabbi Yossi, Me, Pishamai, Ve'avtalion, Ve'hodulo. That other people agreed with Rabbi Yossi. Not, it wasn't just him. It was a group of Chachamim. So maybe really nobody argues, and these brises are all messed up. Says the Gemara, that's not correct. Amar Avashi, Miktani, the Kiblu. We don't know that Shammai and Avtalian agreed to this Shita. All we know is Vahodilok Tani, Dimistaber Tami. It's a good Svara. It's like when you ask Shiloh to Rabbi like, I hear you. I hear you. I'm not paskining like I hear you. You're saying good. But it doesn't mean that you're right. So yes, we still have a machlokas. We're going to stop right here at Tanur Rabbanan Shabbos after the two thirty mincha. We'll pick up right here and we'll learn Samach Zayin and Bezimir Tashem and also Daf Samaches. Wishing you all a beautiful night.